Chris the Tiger. Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block in the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Well, here we go. 2022. Who thought we'd ever get to this point? I'm Bryn Griffiths. He is Robin Brownlee. And this is The Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. Happy New Year, Robin. Yeah, Happy New Year, Bryn. I tell you what, 2022, holy crap. I remember when I was a young man, and that was a while ago, uh-huh. thinking about how old I would be when we got to 2000, when it didn't start with a 1-9 anymore, and I was going to be, oh my goodness, an old man of 41. Well, 2022, you say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, the other thing, too, it's funny how I never really thought about it too much until I was uh, tuned into serious. XM this past weekend and they were pointing out that it do you do you know what year it was the prince was talking about partying till you know partying in 1999 that was recorded in 1983 <laughs> Whew, it does uh, does it, you know what it does it makes you and I a bottle of wine cuz we've aged beautifully <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't that um? Yeah, I, I think about that every time around uh, New Year. I don't know about the people out there or you, Bryn, but you know, it, it's one of those. Okay, how did this year? You know, everybody knows what twenty twenty one was like. Uh, yeah, generally speaking, and you look ahead and you think, what can I change? And people make their New Year's resolutions, but. If you think back to the times you've done the same thing, I mean, you don't do it as a kid, but let's go from 20 years on, you know, 20 years old, you kind of, okay, what am I going to do? What job do I want? What school, what education uh, do I want to get? If any, what, what trade do I want to pursue? I mean, that's a lot of new year's eves and uh, here's to the new year. And uh, here we are, man, 2022. It's unbelievable. Well, this is a little different episode for us because usually we have a guest on, but we decided over the holidays and I like this and I've been getting a lot of feedback from guys that I know listen to our podcast who say, Hey, I'm, I'm all on board for that. I'd like to hear you two guys. I don't need yeah. to hear guests every week. So we've decided to kick off 2022 it's you, it's me, and it's topics that are, well, topical. So let's uh, let's get going with things right off the top. The World Juniors should be playing out this week where we're all excited about a gold medal matchup at Rogers Place on Wednesday night. That ain't happening because COVID stepped in the middle and said, uh-uh, not so fast, boys. But it has really been a talked-about topic because not everybody agrees with it. There's so many different ways to go on this one, Robin. Where do you want to start? Well, I wish I wish it something that would have been decided before they got playing. Um, but it's such a fluid situation and changes so quickly. I understand that that's easier said than done. But when you start getting the players 
you know, into the city and out on the ice and that sort of thing. And they're now they're into it. And it's like, oops, pull that rug out from underneath them. Um, that makes it tough. But the bottom line is, uh, I know the infection rate was low and people have questioned it and called it. I mean, I think Terry Jones here called it criminal, uh, you know, and Jones, he's been to enough Olympics where he's allowed to have his opinion. Uh, I just think given this bloody pandemic that if they didn't pull the plug, then they were going to have to do it in a day or two because five becomes 10 becomes 20 becomes 40 and you have a problem. Was it a mistake holding it in two communities? Now, the reason I bring that up and this is, I've seen a lot of people slagging on the city of Red Deer because that's where the major issues happened, you know, where even the hotel wasn't bubbled. You know, yeah. there's been a lot of reports about the fact that there was a wedding going on at the one hotel in Red Deer and the players were staying there and talking to wedding guests on the elevators. And, it, it, you know, the way things look back in, I'll say even September, October and November, it didn't look like you were going to have to bubble up. You know, hindsight always is 2020. And now I guess if they had bubbled up, maybe we wouldn't be dealing with a situation like that. But who knows? This This variant is certainly far different from the one we've been dealing with or the, the ones we've been dealing with over the past two years. But uh, I I think it's a little, with the way it kind of jumped on board and, and kind of attacked everybody through the middle of December, I think any decisions that were made at the start of December might have been irrelevant by the 15th of December anyway. So I think that it, to me, to, you want to talk about should they have bubbled up? Yeah, maybe they should have, but back in December and months earlier, it didn't look like that was going to be necessary. And you used the word fluid, which is a word that I don't think we really used enough (laughs) up until two years ago. And now we seem to use it like every day, but I just, uh, I feel sorry for the organizers. I'll bring the players up later. I think I feel sorry for the players. Yes, I do. But I feel sorry for the local organizers, the local volunteers who have put so much into not Mm -hmm. only this event this year, but last year. And they've been rewarded with a big fat zero both times. So I feel sorry for those people. Uh, As for hockey fans, you know what? You'll find other hockey to watch. Not overly too concerned about that. I just don't like, I'm like you. It would have been better if they had caught this early. And uh, maybe the tournament didn't even start rather than pull the pin halfway through. We knew once, once the variant had appeared in Red Deer with the American team, that it was going to become a problem. And if it ever spread to the Edmonton uh, part of this, it was going to be over. I still remember Bob McKenzie was pointing out the fact that, you know, you need eight teams to finish this tournament. You have nine teams going in. So uh, this thing is in serious jeopardy, but it it was tough news when we got it the other day. Well, I I tell you, Bryn, the world junior and you've been to them and I've been to them. um, It's terrific hockey. Uh, What I like about it, um, right now, given the the pandemic situation, which is obviously global, is it is in terms of hockey at least as global an event as you can get. It's not just a it's not just a bunch of Canadian kids or U.S. kids. You know, you've you've got different countries there, and it's just like okay, look. Hockey is just a nice break, generally speaking, from the reality of what's been happening these last couple of years when you can play the games. And then 
you start the tournament, like I say, and you think, well, maybe it's going to go and it's going to be okay. But then it was real early. I mean, even before they faced off, you were starting to hear, what's this uh, new variant about? And, you know, I don't really care at this point what it's called because I'm sick of it. But when you started to hear it, you started to hear it fast and started to hear it often. It was clear whether it's serious or not in terms of what it does to you and whether it puts you just in hospital or ICU. It was clear it was spreading like wildfire. And as soon as it gets into that group of players, be it U.S. or anybody else, I was thinking, oh, shit, here we go again. And sure enough, we did. Hindsight doesn't do you any good at that point. Um, I would say this, though. With what happened here, the way the hockey was handled here before, I know you don't want to start locking people down, but at least some variation of bubbling up might have been smart, like look for, I know it's a pain in the ass, but if you look for the worst possible circumstances, at least here and now, I know that's no way to live life waiting for the worst thing to happen, but when you're bringing people in from around the world and this bloody thing is still active in one form or another, uh, you know, you can make an argument, maybe they should have, but it's not a matter of wagging your finger and saying you guys blew it. Uh, it worked out this way and it stinks. Bob McKenzie, uh, I, I will say this about TSN, who are heavily invested in this event, and it would have been really hard for them to get too overly critical or negative on the way things rolled out because, as I say, they're a partner in this event. They yeah. took an event that was okay and turned it into a monstrous event. But here's uh, here's Bob McKenzie and you you tell me what you think of Bob McKenzie's take on it. I, I don't disagree with it at all. Bob McKenzie has been always fair in his assessment of situations. Mm-hmm. But uh, but here's Bob's assessment, chatting with James Duthie. This was, this was after the announcement was made, a few hours afterwards. I thought TSN did a really nice job of summing it up. But here's what Bob had to say. There's the micro look at the World Juniors has been canceled today, but this is this is a rolling story from from before all the way to now. And what it, what it reinforces to me too, as we talk about this being a micro issue, is that this is a microcosm of what society is going to have to deal with in the days and weeks and months ahead. This variant is different than the Delta variant, different than the original one. Um, as I said off the top, there's two segments of extreme populations out there, and that is, this is nothing but a cold, just don't test anybody and let's live our lives and we're going to be fine. Well, that's all well and good, but if you look at the medical system, it might be collapsing, and it's already teetering because of everything everybody went through, and doctors and nurses got so fed up, and so many of them have quit and retired and, and said, that's it, and enough nonsense. Um, so there's that element on the extreme end, and then there's the other extreme says, the These are terrible times, and we better all pull the blankets over our head, and we better lock everything down until this thing goes away. Well, guess what? It isn't going away, and Omicron is different than Delta. So you see the NHL trying to figure its way out here. You see the CDC in the United States just reduce quarantine times to five days. Mm -hmm. Everybody is trying to figure out how to coexist because... Our mental health and our economy can't take a full lockdown, but our medical system can't take a, oh, you know what, just a cold, go ahead, don't even worry about it, don't even test anybody. There's something in between, but every day it changes, the target keeps changing because we don't have enough information yet on the variant. Your thoughts on that? I, I, 
I completely agree with Bob. It, it, the, the thing that makes this really frustrating is the goalposts keep moving and yeah, trying to find that happy medium. And there's got to be one, but I just don't think we're going to find it, Robin. Well, in cases like this, and it'll happen around sports, in this case, it's over a topic that's much more important, and that's this pandemic and its various forms. Um, you know, there are extreme camps on either end. And usually, almost always, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I feel that way as well. Um, you can't, I like the way Bob put it too, you know, you can't pull the covers over your head and hide. At the same time, you can't blow it off, say nobody can tell me what to do. I'm not willing to take even the slightest precaution, be it distancing, masking, vaccination, whatever, uh, because you can't tell me what to do. In the middle, there's a workable uh, solution, and I think we'll get it. People, More people are vaccinated. Uh, I don't know that we ever get rid of it. You've mentioned that a couple times, and I don't disagree. I hope we do. But if we don't, um, you know, the fringes after a while don't matter. The vast majority of people are vaccinated. The vast majority of people want to be done with it. And also, but realize that to be done with it, hopefully, um, certain steps need to be taken. And hopefully they're not too invasive on our daily lives because, God knows we've had enough of that already. So, yep, that middle ground is where uh, the solution lies, and I hope we all get there sooner than later. The problem is, and let's use politics as an example, is there a middle ground in politics these days? I don't think there is. People seem to be swinging wildly to the right or wildly to the left. There just doesn't seem to be enough people in the middle anymore. That's my perception of things, and I'm starting to see it with this covid where people have either look at it harshly this way or harshly that way. They can't, they can't or won't accept anything in the middle. So I, I don't know, but wow. And, and then there's the other thing. The International Ice Hockey Federation uh, has canceled everything in the month of January, including the Women's Hockey Championship. So they've now canceled this World Juniors, which is one of two of their events. Of all the events they do, I read this, only two events make money. This is one of them. So now they've canceled one of the money-making events from a political standpoint. I know they took a lot of heat over canceling the women's event, as they should have. But does this make it easier? Did it make it easier to make this decision because it would take some of the heat off of them from a political standpoint? There's a lot of different ways you can go with it. The bottom line is it's not happening. It's not finishing. And this is where we stand. Yeah, I mean, I mean... I am not as concerned about who is playing um, as the circumstances under which games are either played or not played. In other words, does it make sense? Uh, is it safe for the people involved? I get it in the real world that finances come into play. Um, they certainly do. I sometimes think that and this is going to be unpopular, uh, and so be it. I don't know that canceling the women's event is the same as canceling the, the men's events. Uh, if you want to talk about what makes money and what draws eyeballs, there is a difference there. I am not talking about the fundamental right for access to the game, 
Uh, if little girls want to get out there and play and move up the ranks and have a, have a structure in place where young girls can become young women and, and uh, still play the game and that they love uh, and that they've got every right to play and represent the country in the Olympics and so on and so forth, that's all good uh, and should be there. But canceling an event at the very top of that food chain, I would hope that nobody made that decision lightly. And for the wrong reasons, I know I knew it was going to be unpopular, but sometimes those things are unpopular. Canceling the guys is unpopular too. I'm glad they did it, not as a fallback position or to placate those who were unhappy about any women's events being canceled, but because it was the right thing to do. Let's just be uniform in that and you'll stay out of the kind of political quicksand that you can get into quickly if you're doing it based on the gender of who's playing the game. The other thing we found out after the initial decision had been made and was announced was that there were five more positives yeah. that uh, that were I, why they didn't bring that up at the press conference. I still don't get, but not only was it players, but there were officials on ice officials yep. that, that, and, and but this is all centered in red deer. And like I said, I don't like to, I don't like to highlight Red Deer, but that's where the problems were. It would have been probably been better. If there's one thing that we've learned here in Edmonton over the last two years, we actually can do a pretty good job of isolating. The, yes. arena, the arena and the hotel are attached. The hotel that I go through, uh, our Road 55 studios are right next door to the Sheraton. Sorry, it's the Sandman Signature Hotel. Mm -hmm. And so I walk through there to go to the mall frequently. Well, the fences and everything were up. So players could come down from their rooms, go straight through a public area that was that was fenced off and also bannered off into their dining areas, oh. which is exactly the way it was for the NHL bubble here, and it worked. So I, I think if they were really scared, I think doing these co-events, I, I think if, if there's anything I've learned from it, it's probably not going to work. Could the event have only worked in Red Deer? Sure only in Red Deer? Would it have worked in only, of Edmund, in only Edmonton? Yeah, I think it probably would have. But, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, hindsight 2020. Okay, let's, sorry, you want to finish that up? One thing I think we have to at least mention because it's been, there's been some things confirmed now. Uh, it was a little bit disappointing uh, to me, uh, not freak out disappointing because we've all been young. But the uh, behavior that was reported and now confirmed about uh, the airplane. The, yeah. The Russian team. Um, no, you don't get to drink uh, your, uh, your duty free booze on the plane. You don't get to vape on the plane. Yeah. Um, that to me doesn't, that to me doesn't have anything to do with being disappointed about what's happened with the tournament that has to do with uh, I'm a hockey player and I'll do whatever I want kind of entitlement and teenage years being young, but uh, breaking the rules on, you know, on the airplane, that's a little bit more serious than maybe sneaking out for a, a shot of booze at the bar when you're underage. So I wasn't impressed with that. Okay. Let's also talk about the fact that national hockey league is not going to the Olympics now. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to jump in on that one? Uh, are you surprised? I'm not surprised. Nope. 
I'm a, I actually, I feel sorry for some of the guys who, uh, Steven Stamkos is probably the most notable because I know he wanted, it's the one thing he wanted was an Olympic gold medal, but I thought he handled himself uh, very well in his little press uh, get-together. You know, it's, uh, hey, listen, life isn't all success. There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be failures. Yeah. And from the National Hockey League standpoint, not going, I think they made the right decision from a player standpoint, although you have a few players that uh, didn't like the decision. Brad Marchand, in particular, going very public with it, saying, hey, listen, this should be up to the players to decide. Well, I have shocking news for you, Brad. The National <laughs> Hockey League pay you, owners pay you, and if owners don't want to go and they want to book those over that period of time, those two weeks, and start yeah. putting home dates in, you're playing for the guy who you signed the contract with. Pretty simple. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> did he lick anybody? No. Um, <laughs> I think he's not. Has he done that in the last two years since COVID? No, come? I don't. I think he was told that shall not happen again. Ever. And he's, he's managed to uh, stick with that. Well, he's you licked know, that problem. I want to see the best players at the Olympics. Um, you know, I won't get into you and I have discussed it. Uh, I won't get into location and the politics of the country involved. All I know is this best circumstances. The ideal thing for me is to watch the best players in the world. Most of them in the national hockey league, there are some exceptions, but uh, go put on the Jersey for their country and go play for, for the medals. I'd love to see it, but I don't mind not seeing it this time, given everything that's at play here. Um, so I will tune in next time. We've got Olympic players uh, contesting and probably unless it happens to pop up as I'm channel surfing, give it a pass this time. It's going to sound kind of crazy, but FIFA does this event and they do it every four years. And they, what they do is Robin is they bring the best in every country together to play soccer. Every oh country, the best countries on the planet, they come together and they do this thing called the World Cup, and it seems <laughs> to work really, really well. Now, I know, why, I know why we're not seeing it in hockey. This is my opinion. Is the International Ice Hockey Federation do a thing every year called the World Championships, yeah. right? And it's big in a lot of the world, just not in North America, mm-hmm. you know, as much as we want to try to talk it up a little bit. Hey, let's cheer on the, the guys whose teams weren't very good this year. Is to go over and represent Canada. That's the that's the bottom line, right? Exactly. Yep. Now you know it, it does mean one thing that Connor McDavid these days is uh, representing Canada frequently, far too frequently than Edmontonians would like to hear. Uh, <laughs> but but I don't see the National Hockey they can try to force their way on this one, but. Uh, I don't see FIFA ever jumping on board with them because I just think that they're going to say, "Well, this diminishes our World Championship event. We can't have that." But I think the NHL is going to do it. I'd be very surprised mm-hmm. if they don't. Your thoughts? Well, you know, everybody wants to protect um, that little, if you want to call it that, the turf they've got now, um, the events they they have now. Um, I happen to think that, do we have enough? Uh, if there's always a championship of some sort, Bryn, do we lose something? Um, you know, if there's how many hockey tournaments do you need a year? 
uh, or in a four-year cycle, how many soccer tournaments do you need? Soccer is wildly popular. And I think, I don't know that we can even compare because outside of North America, yes, I know there's the KHL. We know the there's hockey around the world, but numbers wise, isn't so, doesn't soccer just dwarf uh, hockey in terms of, fan interest and popularity i suggest most sports dwarf hockey well in north america let alone the world yeah i hear you so i mean hockey's close to our hearts here yep Uh, but i you know worldview i mean it depends you know everybody looks like i said their piece of their piece of turf and maybe their backyard uh I love hockey, but you know what? Sometimes I can get enough of it. World Championship, uh, uh, you know, Spengler Cup, Olympics. Um, I don't know if there's... The Ivan Halinka in August? Like in August. Do I want to be watching hockey in August? I love hockey. I but I'm not you. watching it in August. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying then? So, you know... Um, I don't want to go back to the old days where it's the equivalent of the banking hours or nine to five. You can't get at your money except within banking hours um, where, but I don't know that I want hockey into that 24 seven range either. And, and obviously it's not that, but you know, I'm exaggerating, but uh, we don't need, I know there's, I know there's more channels and more access with all the media out, you know, out there, um, you just need to look on your TV. How many channels do you got? It depends on your package. There's a lot of space to fill. I'd like to think I have a very big package. (laughs) I do. I've heard, I've, I've heard different, but that's okay. Um, I don't know, Hmm. man. It's, it's, uh, but you hear me, right? Like, uh, let's not more. Isn't always better. I agree. Okay, uh, let's also talk about the Oilers and Flames right now. Let's uh, let's kick things off with the Calgary Flames first because they were off for almost a month and they have bounced back big. And they're on a road trip. Three really big games coming up against uh, the teams down the eastern seaboard. But they look really good. And I think that that month off, I don't think that they... Uh, I think that actually helped them, Robin, because they were playing Sutter playoff-style hockey and they were just starting to fade yeah. at the early part of December. And then they get this three-week period where I think they've been able to recover. Now they're back to playing Daryl Sutter playoff hockey. The question is, will they be able to sustain it through March, April, and into May and into the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But they've got a lot of things going for them right now, and they are looking good. You know, uh, and that's a fair question. The- it's a tough way to play. Oh, to yeah. play the way the, to play the way Daryl wants to play. It's uh, it wears on you, but it's been done before and it'll be done again. And let's let's uh, you know look at things as simple as uh, travel, nutrition. I'm not I'm not going to say the word COVID once more during this this discussion, but barring that and complications from that, and they're coming out of it, so. Uh, I hope it's behind them and everybody in terms of, of, of pro, being in protocol. They, sh- I haven't looked at their schedule, Bryn. I don't know how it's spaced. We know uh, the Oilers have had a bunch of games changed. Uh, the, uh, I don't know how many of the, 
how much of the Flames' remaining schedule is impacted. But uh, we talked about this last time out, I think. The the Flames are playing now for Daryl like I thought they might play for him last season but never really did. Yeah. Maybe because the lineup wasn't as well suited to it as it is now. Um they may be tired as hell when they get there, but I don't think it's smoke and mirrors. Uh, we may see some gaps and some drop-offs here and there the rest of the way because we're not even halfway there yet. But uh, this is a pretty good hockey club. And they're strong right from the goaltender out. The goaltender yeah. is giving them, uh, well, both goaltenders actually have done a, a solid job for them. So I'm with you. I, I think that uh, Calgary is going to be a force to be reckoned with down the down the stretch here. And the question is, it's uh, there's two finish lines in the National Hockey League. There's the one which is the regular season, and you can't uh, spend it all just getting to that finish line because you have the other one getting to the cup. The Edmonton Oilers are in a completely different situation where they got off to an unbelievable start, rode a powerful, powerful power play, which has gone cold because all of a sudden – as a pro scout from an Eastern team told me, once people start to collapse a little bit on that Oiler power play, in other words, give them the shots from the point, just don't give them that cross-ice pass because you're killing teams. And so all of a sudden that Connor McDavid cross-ice pass to Leon Dreisaitl is not there now. And the power play has gone soft. The bottom six have completely evaporated. Uh, and the goaltending is just a mystery as it's been for the past five years around here. So uh, are we surprised at what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers? And then the other thing, too, is that when you've got, you've got 29 and 97 and you're the head coach and uh, you look at their numbers, I don't know how much more he can play those guys, but if the bottom six aren't doing it, you're going to have to play the shit out of them. And right now it doesn't look like uh, that Dave Tippett's prepared to do that, and he's taking some big-time heat, Robin. Well, I'm having a ton of fun talking about talking and writing about uh, Dave Tippett o- over at Oilers Nation. I've got a whole angry hornet's nest of uh, fans who disagree with my take that, uh, no, uh, Tip- Dave Tippett does not need to go anywhere, contrary to the hue and cry we've been hearing uh, with growing volume over the last few weeks. Um, I look at it like this. Uh, Dave Tippett has not survived as long as he has in the National Hockey League where he's in the top 20 in career games coached. He's in the top 20 in career wins. He's got a Jack Adams award. Now, Brownlee, yeah, but what have you done for us lately? We're talking Oilers. We're talking now, not 10 years ago. I get that. I'm just saying the man has not gone dumb along the way. I look at this team and I see a flawed team. Now, is Tippett perfect? Absolutely not. I still do not understand. And we've had we've had Tip on. And I'm not going to say anything that I wouldn't say to his face. I don't understand, and it's happened more than once, why he seems stubborn about not taking timeouts at the end of games. I, there's a couple times when I've gone, man, you need a timeout there. It's just like on Twitter, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll send out that tweet. Oh, need a save there. In other words, that's my way of saying, nah, it's a pretty soft goal. Well, I've wondered about Tippett's strategy in terms of timeouts. I've worried about his strategy in other areas, but let's be fair. When the Oilers were off to a great start, if you want to just say 
Well, yeah, it was because the power play was on fire, as you pointed out. And that was true. It was. And I wouldn't say it's gone cold. I'd say it's cooled off difference. But and hey, Dreisaitl and McDavid were on a 180 point pace. You know what? That's true. If you want to point that out, that it carried them through and mitigated some shortcomings in his coaching, if that's your argument. Okay. So you don't want to credit him with a, with a hot start. You want to put it on the power play and, and the big two. Okay. So now that we're into a season where he's been without his number one goalie uh, for most of the year. Oh yeah. And five starting defensemen at one point, um, you don't want to cut him any slack because of that. You can't have it both ways. I don't think coaching is number one on the list uh, for, for why they got off to a good start or why they've gone in the shitter lately. Um, you can't. Scotty Bowman couldn't win with some of the Oiler teams we watched here over the last 15 years. This is not a terrible team. It's a team that's in a terrible stretch. It's a team that's weaknesses were mitigated by uh, the power play and, and dry sidle and, and McDavid, as you said. Um, and it's now a team that's been hurt by, uh, you know, Koskinen, what's his track record? Does he wear down after a while? Well, yeah. And he's worn down because Mike Smith's injury that was initially said to be day to day turned into 26 games. Yeah. That's not day to day in my book and the other injury. So not an excuse, but factors. So right now, where are the Oilers? Are they in the bottom of the league? Like even with a hot start and a terrible stretch in December, December was a brutal month for them. Um, they're in the mix. I didn't think they were a whole bunch better than that, but if you want to look for flaws in this team, while I'm not saying Tippett is perfect, I'm saying let's look at the makeup of the team, not the guy putting together a lineup based on what he's got to work with. You could look at the general manager and say, yeah, they, you know, he put yep. a lot of faith in some of those guys. That's not working out. Okay, so that's a knock against the GM. You, yep. could, you could take a look at an example in overtime against the New York Islanders when Ryan McLeod is out there. And I'm thinking, I like Ryan McLeod. He works hard. Should he be out three on three? I think I would rather see maybe a Puliyarvi or or somebody like that out there. Uh, so I could question the coaching. Sure, I could do that. It's easier for me to take a look at the fact that goaltending was really good at the start in October and through most of November. Goaltending really wasn't a factor. In fact, if anything, goaltending won them a few games. The power mm -hmm. play was sensational. Now all of a sudden, goaltending has gone soft. All of a sudden, the power play has gone less potent than it was. Yep. All of a sudden there's injuries, but every team deals with injuries. So I don't, mm -hmm. I never go down the injury road very often. Uh, and if we talk about bad breaks and they've had a couple of weird breaks, but you know what? Those all even out through the stretch of the season. I do know one thing. The Oilers lose against the, uh, the New York Rangers and lose in Toronto. And they're coming back off a road trip that wasn't very good at all. Other than the fact that they got a couple of loser points. I would think that it's going to be a little uncomfortable around here. And the other thing too, they're coming home and they're not playing many games in the month of January right now, the way the yeah. schedule is looking. So it's going to be a situation to watch very carefully. The other thing too, having watched like we do as a fan, having watched as we do as media guys who have some inside knowledge because we can phone guys anytime we want. I love phoning guys away from 
the Western Conference. I like getting Eastern slants on what's going on in the West because they're a little more honest. The other thing, too, having worked for two NHL clubs behind the curtain, so to speak, where you see stuff that fans don't see, you see stuff that the media doesn't necessarily see, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out. General managers traditionally get about five years to put their program together. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at Kenny Holland, who's into year three or so, uh, he's not going anywhere. Coaches tend to get at least a three-year reign. And Dave Tippett's at that point now. So I I don't know what's going to happen there. I tend to believe at some point fans are going to have to look. And this is a tough one for fans because they fall in love with players. But at some point, you got to start taking a look at the leadership group here. And you got to start taking a look at, as they say, the bottom six. The general manager went with this bottom six hoping it would be an upgrade. Right now, it has not been. So the GM is going to have to take a little heat on that. Uh, the only thing that's really good is a lot of these bottom six guys are only on one-year deals, and they can maybe try something a little different and shake the jigsaw puzzle up a little bit. But I don't know. It's uh, They're going to have to find their way out of it, and the leadership group's going to have to step up big time. I don't know what more you can ask from 29 or 97, but you're going to have to ask for more. Well, you know, Bryn, it's interesting, and we won't go on all day. We could. Uh, I will say this. Uh, because I don't want to uh, snipe too much at Ken Holland, but for good or bad, we I understand the the frustration fans feel. This is only the third year for these guys, but for a lot of fans outside of you know a, a playoff series win a few years back, there's been not a lot to cheer about since that 06 Cup final. So that's not the fault of Holland and and and. Uh, tip it and i've used the term before it's not their fault but it's their problem because fans are going like come on give us something to yell about and they're saying well we're trying let me say this though just some context man i know some people say i'm maybe trying to make excuses or protect them we can talk about the third year um because of the goofy situation we've been in yeah uh the th- we're in the third year, yes, but yes, at this point, it's it's less than 160 games yeah, between them yeah, in yeah. actual games, and that playoff record uh, of one and seven, no question, that sucks like hell. Uh, but I think this team can put a dent in that record postseason wise if they get there. I think they're better. I think they're better built for it got to get there first, but it's really been the equivalent of less than two full seasons that they've been running the show, good or bad. Let's leave it at that, see where things play out. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little football. You up for that? Absolutely. Well, 2021 is done, and even though many of us feel it might have been a little off year in general, It certainly wasn't that for the Edmonton metro area in terms of real estate. That actually was a very good year. Now, not not, not crazy like some parts of the country, but still very encouraging. I was chatting with Brent McIntosh from the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City just the other day. Obviously wishing him all the best in this upcoming year, 2022. And we started talking a little bit about the fact that now is a good time to gear up if you're thinking about looking for a new place or maybe putting your place on the market. The reason why you get going now is you'll be ready to go because the market really starts to pick up in the month of February. So 
rather than waste the month of January to start getting things going in a more positive direction as you look for your next purchase or perhaps the sale of your current place. If you'd like to track them down, give them a shout at 780-464-0075 or macintoshgroup.ca. Start the process with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. There's no obligation. There's no deadline for this offer, but just don't let the market pass you by. Be ready to go when the market starts to really pick up. Both buyers and sellers can contact the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. Once again, direct. Here's the number, 780-464-0075, or you can find them at macintoshgroup.ca. Okay, let's, uh, let, this is a different episode for us uh, kicking off 2022. It's Robin and me, just the two of us chatting. Uh, it's not over a beer. It's probably because we taped this in the morning. It's over a nice, are you drinking coffee? Is that what you're drinking? Are you a coffee guy? I'm having a, I had my morning coffee. I'm having a little grape Kool-Aid. We are, uh, we are getting the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, yeah. Okay. Many have suggested that Robin, the, uh, you know, and I'm getting real close because it's getting closer to noon now that I'm, I'm pondering a little Bailey's because I can drink a little bit of that in my coffee, but, uh, Let's talk football because we haven't had a chance to talk about what's going on with the Edmonton Elks. And they have themselves a new uh, head coach and, you know, general manager, vice president of football operations, however you want to title it. And his yep. name is Chris Jones. <laughs> yeah, this is a, yeah, I will say this at his press conference. And like I said, we haven't had a chance to talk about this. I watched the press conference twice. The first time I watched it, and listen carefully to what he said. The second time I watched it and just watched it, I turned the sound down. I just wanted to watch his eyes and to watch the way he reacted to questions and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I liked it both times. I didn't like the way he left the football club in the lurch the way he did. But you know what? People, I like to think that people get a little more responsible and grow a little bit as they, as they age. I don't know if that's possible here, but uh, he said all the right things and he looked like he meant it. And uh, I guess we'll see where it goes. I know one thing when he was here, the team won football games and that's more than we could say for the football club over the last couple of years. So bring it on. Well, unless I'm mistaken, Bryn, uh, Chris referenced, uh, you know, doing some things differently and, uh, you know, the maturing process, even, uh, even when you're a grown man, you, you, you get into situations and, uh, you, you know, if you don't learn and grow, then, you know, you go the other way. Uh, Chris has always had the football end of things down pat. You know, if you want to win football games, uh, he's your guy. If, if you're looking for some warm and fuzzy to go along with it, He's not always been that guy, and that's who and what he is. I think there's room there that uh, he grows, and there's more, uh, I guess, room for uh, anything beyond win and lose, nothing else matters. That can wear on on the people around you after a while. Is it the most important thing? Damn sure it is. It's, it's professional sports. It's not the NFL. The last time I looked, the Canadian Football League was professional sports. Just win. Beyond that, though, the reality is you need to get along uh, in the community. You need to do some other things. 
I don't know that Chris Jones has ever had a problem with his players because I saw a lot of reaction yeah. by Esco, Eskimo oh, alum. Oh, Elks. Oh, sorry, you can say that, alumni. Sorry, oh. pardon me. Well, yeah, because last time he was here, it was uh, it was the Eskimos. That's yep. my out, Brennan. I'm using it. Um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, and, and I read the same things into comments by uh, former players out there when we were going through the do they need to purge the coaches in the front office uh, before they actually did. No names need to be mentioned. It's done. It's go- They're gone. I'm seeing a positive reaction with Jones coming in from some of those same kind of people. Doesn't mean it's a hundred percent and it's clear sailing no matter what, but you can, you you get a read of that guys who spent time in the, on the field and in the locker room with a coach who are out of the game. They've got no reason to say this is a good hire. If they think it stinks, if they think it's a bad hire. So that part of it, uh, I've got no doubt. Uh, Chris Jones will take care of the X's and the O's. Uh, it's the other parts of the job that remain of uh, interest to me. Well, I talked to somebody over the holidays about the uh, who's connected with the football club. And I said, the only thing that I'm really uncomfortable with here is the fact that the disconnect with the football club and the community started pretty much when Chris Jones was here. Ed Hervey was here. I don't I like, I'm not looking to, to point fingers. Uh, mm-hmm. Len Rhodes was here. You know, we could go on and on and on about uh, the people who've been through here over the last five years, but there was a disconnect that happened somewhere in there. And the thing that really kind of started to bother me back then was the fact that the football club didn't really care about getting out into the community. This is my perception, by the way. Didn't care about getting out into the community at all. And so therefore, as much as the wins are important, it's almost like they didn't care about the people in the seats. And you still have to, if you're a football player, and you're winning games, but you see there's only 20,000 in the in the seats, you might have to pick it up in another area. And it's called getting out into the community. Yep. And they, they just didn't seem to be there. So when I was chatting with this one particular person over the holidays, I said, the only thing I'm a little worried about is I might have felt a little more comfortable, like they, they care about what I think, but I think they kind of do. Uh, you, you, I would have preferred to have seen you go out and hire a president first, then the football guys. I understand why you went the football guy route first, and that is because you got to get started. And this team's been a disaster for the last few seasons. But I'm hoping now that the president doesn't become the president's got to be able to turn to the football guys and go, "Look, we need some help out in the community. Can you pick it up a bit?" And I need the football guy every once in a while to tell the president, "Okay, look, after." the 15th of October and we're going down the stretch towards the playoff spot. I cannot ask my guys to be out in the community. Makes perfect sense to me. Yep. I watched it with one of the hockey clubs I worked with after the first of March, no more public appearances from September to the 15th of March. What do you need us to do? Cause we also have to sell tickets. If we don't sell tickets, it's not going to make any difference. So I'm a little concerned about that. The Chris Jones hire doesn't bother me at all. Love the G Roy Simon hire as his right-hand guy talked to uh, a couple of media guys that I know out in Vancouver. And, uh, you know, he's been there for, for 10 years with the British Columbia Lions. I couldn't find anything negative from anybody. And they think that he's going to do a great job here. He will be this, he will be the, the nice guy to Chris's not so nice guy or his imagery. So I get that. 
but I think there's a lot of other work that's got to be done with the football club. Dwayne Mandrusiak's name's got to go on that ring. Here's the thing. Not only are you going to welcome a guy back who was dismissed so uh, poorly after 49 years, could have hung on for one more year, didn't like the way Joey Moss was dealt with, but I know this, that it, it that Dwayne's name, if you're working for the club for 49 years and he's respected so much by everybody who's gone through here, then Dwayne Mandrusiak's name has got to go up on that wall. Norm Kimball's name is up on that wall. Hugh Campbell's name is up on that wall. They didn't play, but they had a huge role of the play in the part of the football club being successful. So they got to fix that. The other thing, too, is maybe you got to do something. Maybe there's got to be a statue of Joey somewhere in the stadium. Uh, I, I think that that would be, those would be two positive steps in the right direction for the president and the football guys. Get that, get that solved. You know what, Bryn, and I, uh, you reminded me of this. I would like to see um, all over it with, with you on the Dwayne Mandrusiak thing. I hope he's given that option. Um, I can't imagine, but we don't know. We can't, I can't imagine he wouldn't be willing to go back and finish it up, but he should at least be given the option. With Joe Moss, I would like to see <laughs> what I like doesn't matter. Let's put it th- that way. But my thought is this. I really like what the Oilers did with Joe. I think something doesn't have to be a wall plaque per se, but something in and around the dressing room where he wasn't able to be at the end uh, would be very fitting. That's where he did his work. I know he did his work on the sidelines and, and ran water and all that, but that's someplace protected and someplace safe and someplace to the team uh, sacred where uh, something like for Joey could be done. Uh, the other thing is this, when you say 10 years for G-Roy, I, that's another old man moment where I'm thinking, are you kidding me? It's been 10 years. I know. Like, I wonder when he makes a decision, is he going to do that pose he used to do when he announces something? That I Superman to, pose with the hands I, on the I, hips? I, lo- I love that. I you thought know it was what? funny. Good stuff. G. Roy Simon has paid some dues uh, out there. I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize it had been a decade. He certainly knows the uh, situation from the player's angle. And I'm sure over the many years, he, he, he understands the relationship that there needs to be between successful teams and their uh, fan base. And that needs a lot of work. It's something that's been let go. I don't know how G-Roy operates. I knew him as a player. Uh, I hope he can handle that because that was left wanting uh, with the last regime. Uh, The results on the field were were left wanting. That's a bad combination. If you're going great guns, you know, and maybe you're not great off the field, that's passable for a while. Yeah. Or if you're absolutely great off the field with how you handle the people that pay the rent for you, you can get away with a few bad seasons on the field. But when you suck on the field and you suck off the field, you got a problem. And and finally, I had a chance to go to two of the world junior games at Rogers place. The difference in the, and it's, this is tough because there's only maybe 7,000 people in the seats because of the mandate, 
but it was pointed out to me by a few other people and made me notice it when I went both times. And that is the difference in the music and the game night presentation day mm-hmm. and night. Uh, they really don't care that I'm 62 years of age and I'm uh, somewhat balding a little bit and that I'm gray. A uh, bit. They, uh, they, they were not catering to me at all. And you know what? It was brought up by Ian Murray, who's the head of the board with the Edmonton Elks about the fact that we have an older demographic that's, you know, supporting us. But if we don't do a better job of attracting a younger demographic to this, it ain't going to work. It ain't, it's not going to survive. And I, I just came to the realization sitting at those two games at the world juniors that, yeah, okay. I'm not the biggest uh, rap guy. I'm not the biggest hip hop guy, but you know what? The time has come for me. And as much as I support the franchises the way I do through ticket sales or Jersey sales or however I support them, it's going to, it's a young person's game. Now the football club here is going to have to do a much better job. And I know it's going to piss a lot of the older, the older fan base off, but you know what? Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep supporting the football club, but recognize that, you know what? The music is going to get louder. It's going to be a lot different. But if anything, you have to find a way to get the kind of a crowd that attended the two soccer matches here in November. You need a very, very diverse audience to start finding their way to the Edmonton Elks games. Because if you don't, it ain't going to work. You know what? I think that's, uh, that's a good point. I will say this, though. I sometimes wonder, as we age, uh, because you know what, it is time to let the noisemaker go at some point and the loud music go at some point when you're 60 something. It may be older for some people. For me, I'm quite comfortable letting the youngsters make the noise and enjoy the noise. But I think it just seems louder and seems more abrasive when you get older. I mean, I'm trying to think of how I would put the speakers out on my front porch at home when I was 15 years old and listen to my kiss records at <laughs> records. Full, full volume. And because I'd moved the speakers onto the porch, meaning my neighbors had to listen to my kiss records as well. So it's, it's all a matter of perspective, but I get what you're saying. You know what? You don't forget the people that have been cheering for you for 30, 40, 50, 60 years in some cases, but there's a transition there. And you know what? That's got to happen, Robin. It's just got to happen or it isn't going to happen here. And here's a concept. There can be room for both. You can do certain things that take care of uh, one part of your demographic and that cater to the other part. Not everything you do is going to make everyone happy or be their cup of tea. But if you listen to what you're being told by your fan base, And there's a little something for everybody. Emphasis on the younger crowd, yes. Um, You can get it right. And you have to find a cost-effective way of doing it as well. Hey, uh, before we go, uh, hey, this has been fun today. It's been a little different for us just to to chatter. And I've enjoyed it. I hope others have. People are more than welcome to check us out on Twitter. The handle's really simple. It is at Outsiders2020. Yeah, we're not changing that, by the way. It's going to be at Outsiders 2020. That's when we started this thing going. Make sure you tell your friends to subscribe or uh, just latch onto our RSS feed on any of your favorite deer candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, etc. And that way, when we have a new episode that drops, you get it right away. It comes right to you. And we're also on YouTube as well. 
Robin records from his luxurious studio. We don't have a name for it yet. We're still working on it. He's in the southwest part of the city of Edmonton. Yes. yes. I'm working downtown Edmonton at our Road 55 studio. It's uh, always fun to be working out of here. Your support has been greatly appreciated. And if you're a potential advertising partner to join us, just like Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City has jumped on board with us for the past year, it's great. And uh, we're looking forward. Right now, it looks like Ray Ferraro is going to join us on the next podcast. That'll be great. But there's lots to talk with Ray, NHL, World Juniors, all sorts of stuff. So we'll, we'll get to that next week. Robin, that's it for today. Happy New Year. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Yeah, Happy New Year to you and everybody who... Uh you know, comes in and has a listen with what we've got to say. Um, look forward to 2022. Let's put that old one in the rear view mirror, man. And trying to trying to find a way to make sure that the younger audience likes what we're doing. It's me, Bryn Griffiths, and, uh, and hang on a second, Robin B. Peace out. <laughs> that just sounded so awkward. That's, there's nothing more feeble and pathetic than an old guy trying to sound young and cool. Yo, yo, yo. Okay, talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! Road 55.